March 24. We are at the waning end of March Madness, yet we are here for Common Sense. So we've got March Madness and Common Sense Ohio in the same sentence, which makes no sense at all, except for the fact that this is the roundtable at 511, and we are bringing you Common Sense Ohio, which you can find anywhere, anytime, at wherever you get podcasts, or you can just do it the easy way. Go to commonsenseohioshow.com. I know it's long. It's a mouthful, but it makes sense, right? Common Sense Ohio Show. This is a show. It's Common Sense. It's ohioshow.com. It's easy. You can't forget it. So the extra typing is a small price to pay for the ease of memorization. CommonSenseOhioShow.com. Um, if you got questions, concerns, thoughts, want to send us uh, a topic to cover, we can do it. I uh, I was out last week hiding in uh, the jungles of Mexico. The guys here, Brett and Norm, the show went on. I was going to zoom in, but that was the day that I was swimming in a private cenote, and we got picked up early, and I couldn't make it. And a cenote is like a hole in the ground where there's water underneath, and it's gorgeous, and it's awesome. I think both of us would have been angry if you had dropped that and just yeah. joined the show. Are you nuts? Well, it, I'm going I'm to confess. Yeah. It turns out I probably could have done it because there is something down there called Mexico time. As my buddy who lives down there said, he goes, yeah, I'll pick you up at X time. But and then later on, he goes, well, it's Mexico time. I'm going to be late. And it's like, uh, all right. Well, like Florida time. Uh, almost. It's yeah. Like, uh, and I was oh cool with it because, God. you know, I was just at a resort doing my thing. Uh, funny. And I probably could have zoomed in. But, uh, yeah, we got lots going on. It is March Madness. We got games here in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. At the, uh, I think they're where are they the Ohio State Norm or are they over at the uh, at the shot or at the um, oh, uh, nationwide? I think oh, you're both, right? Women's were at the shot, and then the men were at nationwide. Nationwide, yeah. No idea. Yeah. I know there's a water polo tournament in town. There you go at, at Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go catch that probably this weekend. But from what I'm hearing, so hey, we, it's uh, college girls in swimsuits. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> See, I mean, I norms perversions. <laughs> yeah. Norms perversions. Right up there with beach volleyball. Yeah, exactly. So there I'm I'm meeting uh, yeah. one of the dads of such uh, girls um, he, uh, his uh, particular daughter uh, attends uh, Michigan so uh, we have a Wolverine versus Ohio State uh, women's water polo tomorrow and then in the afternoon Michigan plays Michigan State so uh, you know it, it there's going to be a lot of bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. bubbles I'm not going to the game but I am taking him uh, to uh, local uh, Starliner Diner for some Cuban cuisine gosh the Starliner I haven't been there in years yeah. oh it's kick ass <laughs> so good yes yep. so good sure yep. is uh, so anyway, we're, uh, the show goes on. I, I, we, we were off the record or off the air here talking about my trip to Mexico and some thoughts. I, I guess we probably cover that in a different, I don't know. We can cover it, but I would say this about it. Um, I, I had my eyes opened in the last five to 10 years about freedom and what's not freedom about constitutional protection. What's not in my analogy, not my analogy, but the analogy, like fish don't realize they're in water until they're out of it. I think it holds true on both sides of this equation. You know, I didn't. Until you open your eyes to the freedom that we have here in the United States and really appreciate it, you don't realize it until it's gone. And then, you know, in in Mexico, they don't understand the lack of freedom they have and how insane it is, at least from our perspective, their existence. So, you know, we get along. There are southern neighbors. And and I will say this, the culture down there is incredible. It's incredible. I mean, I mean, at the family level, at the artist level, at the communal level, they're really, really, really good people. Um, I one thing we didn't talk about off the air is I we went on this. Uh, you know, you pay the grift and you pay the resorts and you go on these little excursions. And this one was like this place where they took you out for a dinner. Uh, and there's about ten or fifteen different boats that are punting boats with the guys with the poles pushing you along a canal. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, they they served a traditional dinner and. You would stop at different rafts along the way in the canal, and they'd sing. They had bands singing songs and whatever. Wow, it sounds like a Mexican apocalypse now. It was. (laughs) But here's what was phenomenal. We had no other Americans on our boat. And there were two different groups. And uh, the one group was there celebrating uh, some little twins, I guess about eight years old, their birthday. And uh, another group celebrating, I think, a wedding. I couldn't quite tell. They, we had to all. St- it was one of those where you know, my, you have to stand up and introduce yourself, and then scream or dance or do something stupid. Um, but, what did What did you do? Uh, I introduced myself, and and I just did a, a, a the best Mexican scream I could muster at the time. <laughs> arriba, arriba, arriba. <laughs> That's what I did. 
So I was going to go, uh, I, after I sat down, I was like, crap, I should have sang Row, 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 Row Your Boat. But uh, <laughs> there was good. a group, they were all Hispanic, they're from California, but they spoke Spanish the entire time. So here, here's the here's what I noticed. <laughs> good God. The incredible family, the, 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 the importance of family culture to them was overwhelming. I mean, they were generational. There were two sets of grandparents, the twins, the parents. Um, they all uh, were very tight. They all, like family was in, was the most important part of their existence, at least that night. That was my observation. Maybe it's because I wanted it to be. Maybe it's because it really was, or maybe a little bit of both. But I saw that everywhere down there. And I was fortunate enough to have a friend who took me around different places uh, in, the, in, in, in Mexico, like outside my resort. Oh my gosh, I didn't get kidnapped. But, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of melded into the local culture and, and family is everything down there. Family and like they support each other. Uh, they're very courteous. It just, it's hard to explain. It's like what maybe like if we could just have that back here a little bit. But the way you described it though, prior to us getting on is like, that's all they've got. That's all they've got. Yeah. Yeah. That Um, is their support system because they can't rely on the cops Yeah, and the cartels are all against them. So they have to have some support system. So that's the other. That's the dark side of Camelot, right? Because you have yeah. this. Uh, I, the the irony down there is this. Um, I, the best way to describe it, I was at my my friend has property in this place called Sock Bay. Sock Bay was created back in the seventies by a guy who was an expat American, bought the property, and it's like this. I guess the best way I could describe it is artist colony, um, where. Mm. Uh, you know, they have, they have their sh- local shamans who do their ayahuasca temple stuff. They have uh, uh, real artists. Like every, there's an amphitheater there where people go and play their music and do different things. I mean, really an incredible place. Do they recreate the Mayan traditions, like where they cut the heart out and hold it up and I don't it's know still that beating? It's like, uh, I'm just Indiana asking. Jones. Yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, you know, math, my son was playing classical guitar yeah. in an open palape and, and people came and one guy at least came and washed and listened and we talked about music for a minute. He was German, um, mm-hmm. the guy who came by. So people just sort of go there. Uh, but I ran, and they have cenotes, which are craters, opened up craters with um, under clean, crisp underground water. Uh, like people go to Ishkret, which is a like a park they made down there. So anybody's been down there knows what I'm talking about. This is like the private version of that. You know, you can I can I was swimming in underwater caves, diving in. I mean, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ran into a gal from California. And she had a young baby with her, probably two, not baby, but a, a toddler, probably two maybe. This is very Chevy Chase sounding. Go it, c- continue. Chevy Chase. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, National Lampoon goes to Mexico. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> right. that, Did you uh, drive the truckster? Down there? I didn't drive the truckster. <laughs> no, I'm just I asking. The, I didn't pull the. Because you met a girl from California, and I'm we like, we ran into know. her. She was swimming at the cenotes. Okay. Well, and, uh, here we go. We got to talking to her, and she was, um, she had fled California to come to Mexico, mm-hmm. and she fled California, and to use her words, it was war. Mm-hmm. And it was war because in order to have her son enroll in public school, she was going to be mandated to get, or to, he had to be mandated to get 78 vaccines, 78 shots. Mm-hmm. And she was, look, call her an anti-vaxxer, call her whatever. She just said, this is war. That that can't be good for him. I don't want to do it. <clears throat> so I had to leave California and she fled to Mexico. Hmm to be quote free and all right well that was interesting to me and i spent the rest of the trip sort of thinking about this it's like well that's ironic because yeah she was sort of communal hippie you know what what we would consider back in the 60s and 70s as the as like the um not anarchist maybe a little bit um the communists yeah maybe you know a dropout a dropout yeah right um people who'd go live on the communes and and have Mm -hmm. peace and love and free will and do whatever like that would be associated with Sure. left-leaning voters that at least in my mind go out in the desert live with charlie manson live on the manson. ranch right mm-hmm. it's it's awesome until it turns to crap like manson <laughs> yes yeah right um so she goes she flees to mexico for i think what is her version of freedom and it took me a long time to come to grips with this down there and gave i gave a lot of thought to it and i was like well that's that's really sort of fascinating because on every street corner in playa and cancun and in various villages you see three sets of armed individuals, the local police, the federales, and soldiers, army. Mm-hmm. And uh, they scoff at the Americans, you know. They scoff at us down there uh, as, like, gringos 
they're not racist, just ask them, but they hate the gringos or they, they roll their eyes at the gringos. I don't think they hate us, but they roll their eyes at our culture. Like, you know, you guys have all this luxury, you have all this stuff. And, you know, they sort of look at me, they, you know, they're like, well, you know, our army guys are here because, you know, they're not like America where they're sending your army all over the country, all over the world to, to fight wars. I'm like, all right, well, that's the reason you can have this. But anyway, <laughs> I think they look at Americans like uh, cows. We're, we're just kind of like walking through their village, kind of like in India. Like, like you know, cows are just mixed into downtown, and, you know, people kind of wait for them to cross the street, and they sort of put roll up their with eyes. them. Roll their take eyes. Their, yeah. But when take they their need, dollars. But when they, need oh, to, yeah. when they need to milk the cow, oh, they milk the they cow. They milk it. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, and there's, there's more to be said about that. I'll get to it in a second. But it, the irony of, of this of this eye rolling in this California gal's viewpoint is that it is about the least free place I have been to. Yeah, of course. You know, there's a, there's, and I'm, when I say armed, I mean like machine gun armed, belt, full body armed. Belt fed. Um, yeah, they're on the back of pickup trucks with belt fed. With, with nice, I mean. Modus. You know, yeah. the, like the, what are the overlanding racks mm-hmm. on the back mm-hmm. that are cost like 10 grand for just the rack itself. And these yep. guys are piled in there, and these gort- no, all the vehicles are crap except for theirs. And there's a fourth group of people that you may have seen and maybe didn't even know, you know. But but the cartels are also a military force, an independent, you know, armed yep. military. So, and there's nine of them that have been identified just this past week in testimony. Uh, you know, nine of them are involved in transporting fentanyl into the United States. Nine cartels. Yes. And, and they and they dominate Mexico. And the, the in they run the society. These groups through one grift or another, one payoff scheme or another, one protection racket or another, right. r- run the society. So it is understood down there. If you get pulled over, they can pull you out of your car at gunpoint. They can shake you down. They can search your car. They can make you open the trunk. They can hold you on the side of the road. They can even arrest you and take you in. And you know they can they can make you pay them right there. So if you're an American, you get pulled over. Anybody's ever had this happen? Oh, you can't leave the police station until you make full restitution. Yeah, and restitution means mm-hmm. you give them money, cash. And, now, yeah. and I, as I was thinking, I didn't say this because I didn't want to offend people down there, and they were very nice to me. I was treated very well by everybody. And right. again, I can't say enough about the individual people. They were really incredible people. I met local and. Well, they're all local, but I mean, like in the resort and outside mm-hmm. the resort, and uh, they were they were all phenomenal. But they're, they're fish living in water that they don't quite understand. They, you know, I I, I met well, another. They, they have nothing to compare it to. They don't. I mean, yeah. they, they don't. You know, they're bewildered. Uh, uh, you know, the immigrants, the illegals that come into the United States are largely bewildered by our society. Once yeah. they they can't believe they're allowed to do the things they can it's do. It's almost like uh, they they must feel like it's like it, it can't be true. You yeah, know, it's right. like so. You have a shop owner down there, and uh, she has a she's an artist. My she's friends with my buddy. Yeah, um, and she, really incredible talent to make like these weaved leather, and you know she yeah. she incorporates jewelry, and it's very it's. I bought some stuff from her, but she pays a grift protection oh. racket to the cartels. She I think better. they pay a grift to the police. Yeah, um, there was a there what? was a um, sure. a murder. Right out, and we're talking in Playa. I mean, this is like tourist place. Yeah, there was a murder right in front of her shop, um, uh, and it was cartel related. And she was advised by family, friends, local police, whatever, uh, to get the heck out of Dodge, get that window fixed because the bullet went right through her store and, and landed sometime someplace in her store. She had to, she had to flee because you know if she had a bullet and the the cartel would come looking for that to try to squelch the crime. The police came looking for it, and. Um, you know, she'd already fixed her window and said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's like, it, it is, wow. it is scary, scary stuff. And they don't, yeah. you know, they, they, they understand that part of it, but they don't understand it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Not, well, they don't, you know, mm-hmm. one of, uh, one of the telling things for our listeners that may not have caught this bit of news is the U S just extradited, uh, brought from Mexico into the U S general Luna. Who's general Luna. General Luna was for years, like the last eight years in charge of the counter cartel unit in Mexico, the federal agency that was working with the DEA that was supposed to get the cartel leaders and put them, you know, under arrest and track them and, uh, you know, tamp down on cartel crime. He himself was part of the, part of the cartel. He himself was, uh, 
you know, tipping them off and, and doing just enough law enforcement to sort of play with us. And the whole time he's working for the cartels. That's the society that we're dealing with. Yeah. And, and, Mm. you know, they would say about Americans like, uh, you guys are so spoiled or, you know, the the eye rolling stuff, you know, like, uh, you're fat and you're this. And and, and to some extent they're right. Right. So there's, there's like their president just said, Steve, he said the fentanyl problem is not a Mexican problem. It's your problem in America because of the demand. Yeah, it's a supply and demand problem. You're dry, he he said it's your problem. It's your fault. You have a decaying culture in the United States, and it's because of your decay, your moral decay, that you're demanding this product. And there's some truth to that. Yeah, it's like like prostitution. Well, we're legalizing legalizing drugs left and right. Well, we're legalizing crime. That, and that's insane. But, yeah. you know, to some extent, he's right. Um, sure he is. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like Mike Ditka said, Ditka said you, you endure what you tolerate or you tolerate what you endure or whatever, mm-hmm. the, you know, whatever it would be. Right. And, you know, we are tolerating them bringing this stuff across the country or across the border. Well, we've and de- we don't have to. We've destigmatized immoral behavior. You know, I mean, I am not saying that you take alcoholics and you take it because, I mean, I lobbied for those people when I when I was a lobbyist at the those state house. people. <laughs> Yeah, the organizations that support addicts, that support alcoholics. Uh, we created a board for drug addiction counselors. So I worked for those people, the counselors. And the fact is, we have destigmatized all of that. It, it's, it's not even looked at as a, a character problem or a flaw. There are people who are arguing that there is a that there is an addiction DNA complex that, so, so if you're an alcoholic, you know, it's interesting. There are none in Saudi Arabia, right? Cause there's no alcohol. So it can't be DNA. It, it, it's, it's, it, we are taking people off the hook. And so our society says, basically it's not the fault. Like that mother who just testified before Congress, her two kids died of fentanyl. Well, they were dicking around with taking illegal drugs. They shouldn't have died because of it. But the point is, like, nobody says that's wrong. We just say those kids are victims. No, those kids... Well, both are true. They mm-hmm. fucked up. Both they took true. illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have been doing that. Right. Yeah. Both but, are true. Yeah, and, and, and of course, the state of Ohio is now state-sponsored online gambling. No shit. Yeah. Same and, thing, yeah. And, and, and from, Same from what I'm hearing, the gambling support line has Same. never been hotter. Same thing. And I don't... So uh, we're allowing it, making it sexy with billboards and, uh, and sure. ads. Yeah. So it's, but again, we're all supporting the same Somewhere thing here. Somewhere in the it's middle. It's both, both and. Look, yeah. we, uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to, you have to sort of balance this against the idea of freedom to do what you want to do. And, oh, you know, I, I, I'm exactly. not saying make it no, illegal. Yeah. I'm with you. I agree. So racism is terribly wrong. Racism, racism is abhorrent. Racism is ugly. Racism tears us apart. Racism is not illegal. It's not illegal right. to have an opinion that's racist. Or it, even wrong or it, even evil it, or it, even bad. Now, when you act. When you act like you discriminate on job hiring, that is illegal. The point is, there are things that you can do in our society that are legal, okay? But we can still say as as a society that that's shameful, that we could say that's terrible. We can pass judgment on those things, and they could still be legal. But instead, we're like, hey, smoke all the pot you want, right? Snort all the coke you want. Uh, Get as drunk as you want at, at spring break. Uh, you know, be a pig with, you know, overeating or whatever. And none of it's ever the fault of the person. There's no individual responsibility. Exactly right. 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 So here's what's happened. And and this is what's, this is back to the cultural argument we're talking about. So, you know, I love the law and I love the law, not because I love going to court and fighting cases. I, I find that somewhat necessary, but not, not my favorite part. The, the interesting, the fascinating part is, is the idea of natural law. And then how that fits in with our society, how that fits in with culture, and, and as, as culture changes, law tends to change and vice versa. And it's not always one guiding the other, but it's 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 this sort of symbiotic back and forth relationship. But I think we've gotten to a point, as you were saying that, Norm, that made me th- sort of come to this, and I'm, I'm thinking it through out loud, so forgive the logical fallacies if they flow. But it's almost like we have supplanted morality with government statutory law. 
So it used to be that the law was maybe the basement or the ceiling, and morality was something else. Now people associate correct moral behavior with law. Right. So, you know, I'll give you a perfect example going the other way. Right. If I'm driving on a country road that I can see for miles and 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 there's no cars out there, am I going to follow the speed limit? You know, that's a that's a that's a regulatory type law. It is not what I would call malum and say or just bad by itself for me to be going 60 in a 45 because on 45 on that road where I'm not seeing anybody. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm going to sleep okay. Right. Um and then there's other crimes like murder, which we have sort of that that directly mirror natural law. We right. know fundamentally it's a commandment: right. "Thou shall not kill." Mm-hmm. You know, so that that fundamentally mirrors it. And here, what we're talking about is, well, if gambling's legal, then I should do it. Yeah. And yeah. and it's right. And it, now I look at gambling like, yeah, that's illegal, but boy, that's a kettle of fish I don't want to dip my foot into because I know what that does for me. I tend to get. A little bit, I, I get addicted to things. So it's like, but I know I'm going to exercise my own individual choice of morality not to go bet on sports because I know where that takes me. And I've learned that, you know, and it's like I have self responsibility. I answer to God, I answer to myself, I answer to my family, I answer to my parents, my, my children. Yeah. You know, I, I shouldn't do those things. Yet I think we're getting to a spot where if we pass a law, then it's okay to do it. Right. And, you know, yeah. and the consequence of that then is what you're talking about, Norm. So if it's okay to do it because it's legal, then it shouldn't be my fault that I did it. We're also cherry-picking mm-hmm. cultural norms, you know, cultural things that we think are positive um, and, and inculcating them into law, which is also stupid, you know, Correct. Like, like hate crime. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. It's Whether, crime or it's not. If you stab me in the heart and you say, Norm, I'm doing this because you're half Lebanese and half Irish, and I hate half Lebanese and half Irish people. So I mean, rightfully so. So I'm, sta- <laughs> so I'm stabbing you in the heart because you're that versus, hey, I'm stabbing you in the heart because I just am having a bad day. Hey, dude, I don't really care why you're stabbing me in the heart. I just care that you are doing that. Right, and as far, as far as I'm concerned, the penalty should be the same. Well, it's just, it's just a signaling thing, it's too. It, it's that, okay, we're going to get him on hate crime. Right. So it just rouses up everybody. It's a political it's a lever. Political, yeah, it yeah, is. It's a political lever. Right or wrong, it is. Yeah. It, just, it, just, it just but is. And, well, you're right. one, and if it reflects I, a certain political uh, position that you happen to agree with or disagree with, then people pull that lever and push that as right, far as they can. Right, because a murder is but a murder. Before yeah, our society turned its back on God, right, and the Ten Commandments, none of these ideas about hate crimes would have even, no one would have considered so, that because we would have passed judgment on somebody who committed a crime like uh, the guy who assassinated uh, Martin Luther King, right? If there had been a hate crime back then, um, you know, they would have charged him with that. Right, but and it's still murder. It's Yeah, and nobody at the NAACP, nobody nobody in, in national life ever suggested that James Earl Ray should have been charged with a hate crime back then. It would not ever have occurred to anybody to say that because we all condemn hate. Sure. Right. And but like, now we have to put it in law because we don't have a moral code in our society anymore. We do not. So we're picking and choosing bits of Christianity and Judaism, and, and for that matter, Islam. We're picking and choosing positive aspects that we think ought to be imbued in law, and that is wrong. Well, even, even, even your example of the Ten Commandment era, that's pretty much that life was hate crime. Yeah, that that was the hate crime. That exactly. was hate crime. Right. If you died, it was because you were in the wrong tribe. Well, but then Christ comes along, right? And and anybody who look, you don't have to be a a born again Christian to appreciate the incredible insightfulness of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. You you do not. It no. it, it, it it has no bottom. I can't. I don't profess to understand it yeah. completely, but I've given a lot of thought to it. It gives me chills even thinking about it because then all of a sudden you. You have Christ that comes along and would say things like, well, look, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, none of God what is God's. You know, and you know, that's right. the old story where they, they, somebody was like, here's a tax. Well, whose picture is on that Caesar? Yeah. Give it to Caesar. <laughs> yeah. This is God. And, and, and like the Sermon on the Mount would say, even if it's not against the law, it is still morally sinful. Yeah. So, look, right. I, if you you don't have to actually have sex with somebody's wife to commit the crime of adult or to commit the moral dis- transgression of, of um 
adultery. Sure. You know, it's a, like a lust of lust, right? It's in mm-hmm. your heart. And, right. and, and that's what Jimmy Carter was talking about in the famous Playboy interview. Everybody made fun of him. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, I feel I like... I know this interview. Oh, well, he, he was interviewed by uh, a, a journalist. It was published in Playboy back when Carter was running for president. And he said he lusted in his heart but did not commit the physical act of betraying his wife. And, he, for the, you know, for a Bible thumper, he is ex- he's saying exactly what you just said. Steve. Right, and we all mm-hmm. do it. And, and Christ's Christ message was not like you're, you're a horrible person because you feel these way it's like you're human and you're flawed and you're born with the original sin this is what i'm talking about folks we all know it's wrong and we all do it anyway and our job is to try to is to journey through that and and get Mm -hmm. to a spot where we can transcend it the best we can and you can find that salvation but i you know i'm not going to turn this into a sermon but the point is is like there is morality that exists both above and below the law yeah and the law doesn't set the morality and it's on us and and that's why we're here to do that so these this this all was set in motion by your trip to mexico and isn't it interesting that these cartel guys, to a man, all have a crucifix on a chain around their neck? I mean, yeah. it is, it's fascinating to me because that is a cultural kind of um, signal somehow in Mexico and in a lot of other places, wearing a crucifix, that you're part of some kind of, you know, belief system and yet they violate almost every aspect of it well and they don't it's it's the water there's they're fish and water and they don't see the water and and you know what else is interesting to me that you brought up the the cross it is everywhere oh yeah the the catholic symbolism is everywhere right everywhere and as they were making fun and rolling eyes at the gringos and as i heard them say you know our our, we have our soldiers here and, and sort of like, yeah, our soldiers are here on, on the street corner carrying machine guns, and you're, there's no recourse if they shake you down. But it's only because, like, unlike America, we don't send them all over the world to go enforce whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and I was right. thinking to myself, well, that's interesting. You're speaking Spanish. Right. <laughs> right. Well, right. You know, you're not yeah. speaking Mayan. And Mexico, Mexi- Spanish. Mexico, Your culture is West. Yeah. Mexico would be a German colony if it wasn't for the United States. Yeah. I mean, we all know about the Zimmerman telegram, for example, during World War One. I. I mean, basically, uh, the Kaiser was trying to get Mexico to invade the United States sure. as a German ally. I mean, come on. It, but but as far as their cultural thing, you know, like Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, it, that icon, iconography is everywhere. Yeah, it in, is in Mexico. And All those candles you could buy them in Kroger here in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you For know, sure. candles of the yeah, of yeah. the Virgin Mother. Yep, Our Lady but of at Gu- the you know the the corruption at the top shouldn't. We have to be careful because that doesn't define what I saw at the bottom. I yes. saw good individuals. I mean, like, well, incredible yeah. people, sure, right. utter incredible, just people. like America, where the rubber right. meets the just road, just like yeah. us. Incredible people yeah, that sure. I feel horrible for because they're living under an invisible jackboot and they don't even know it. Right. Or I felt if, the same way whenever I go to a third world country, whether it's Jamaica, you know, whether it's Ukraine or wherever I've ever been, I I have that same terrible feeling that these folks, their destinies, are curtailed because. Unlike, I mean, really, the freedom that we are frittering away in the United States is so rare. What we have in this country is so precious and so rare. That's why some of us get so excited and so angry when those freedoms are being, you know, whittled away. Uh, Because the rest of the world, probably 90% of the world, doesn't have anything like what we have. I know. And they instead... It has become this shell game. They have shifted the argument away from freedom to like uh, gluttony, and away from freedom to you guys are spoiled, you guys right. are uh, right. arrogant, you guys are this, you're that. Right. And the freedom has given us the platform to succeed. And where we take our success, how we handle the success, um, is being it, that should be governed by our inherent morality and our inherent. Um, individualism to do the right thing with that. Right. Yet at the same time, the government's coming in and sort of eliminating the incentives to act with moral uh, courage. And because we just follow what the government says, I'm just doing what they're letting me do. And right. and th- it's like the worst of both worlds. Right. And, and yeah. what's happening is it's like, we're at this tipping point where it's shifting over to a society that's going to end up more like what we're talking about with uh, absolute totalitarianism where you're in your enforced mandates 
that you don't agree with and you have no recourse. And and, and luckily we have those balances that we have microphones and we have a voice to see what's wrong and talk about it. And and it starts to, for now, and it starts to push back and and enlightens those that go, I didn't know that was going on. So what did the Elon Musk releases reveal in absolute stark reality that our own government on a weekly basis was meeting with Silicon Valley companies you know, like Google, like uh, Twitter, uh, like uh, Facebook, and the FBI and other three-letter agencies have been documented with names and meeting dates and and what they said in their texts and all of this. And it's like Jordan's uh, weaponization hearings. The government is now documented to have tried and succeeded in throttling our First Amendment rights, yes. not allowing us to post our opinions on these social media platforms, which are the public square now. Yes. That's what they are. By default, it's is, become that. This right. is the Hyde Park yeah. of the modern era. Like I said, like I said, bastion free speech. That yeah. scandal, in my opinion, is the number one story this year. That is the story that that our own government. And Elon Musk, God bless him, he spent, what, $40 billion to gift this to the American people. Documented proof that their own government is suppressing speech. And somehow, a chunk of the people are okay with this. And it's... Um, You're right, yeah. They, they don't see the water they're living in. Yeah. They don't see it. They don't right. understand that the lens they have yeah. is... It, like we We have set up a system perhaps never, in fact, never before been done where we can operate freely without machine guns on the corner, without, with, with recourse, if the police overstep their bounds. Right. If somebody violates, uh, if somebody does something negligently and I'm injured from it, I have a, I have a mechanism to get recourse for that. Right. And we have this goofy idea in modern America that our founding fathers were a bunch of old you know, one foot in the grave, white guys. You know what the, you, guys, you know what the average? You know what the? I just saw this t- this week. You know, yeah. what the average age? Mid thirties, forty four. Yeah, it, well, yeah, forty. Yeah, that's because that's Ben. ben but, that's but because, still young, young. Yeah, that's because Ben Franklin right. took the average. Kind of, kind of took it off. But the, yeah, it was thirties and forties. You take yep. Ben Franklin out; they were mid thirties. Yeah, right, they right. they were risking being hung by the king. Treason. This was right? treason at the highest order. There was not a majority of of in favor of revolution yeah. it was only about one third these people literally were risking their lives for the ability to have free speech and in why that doesn't dawn on modern americans why that has no impact is is quite beyond me i i just don't well, understand it, it. it's guilt it's because they're not teaching it they, anymore. they have they've not only are not teaching it they're teaching the opposite you should feel guilty norm we should like i i felt like i like even uh the people, my my friend down there is. I, you know, I didn't want to be a gringo, so I, I'm, I'm melting in. I'm doing this, and I'm like, dude, do not feel guilty. Do not. No. Because you are, you are, you are, you are, you were reared in freedom. That's better. Right. I don't care. It's better. There's better things down there in Mexico that uh, that they have. That, there are things down there that they their culture. Some of their some aspects of it are better than what we have. But it, freedom is the most important thing. And you can say, well, that leads to excess. So be it. Now you got to go to the Sermon Mount and read it and understand how you should experience but, you know, freedom. It's so funny that freedom is is equated to that. Not yeah. necessarily. I mean, it doesn't no. have to. It Not doesn't at all. It gives to. us the choice to and, do what we want I, with it. And I get that. And I, I appreciate it. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm looking around our house I'm going, oh, my God, I got five, six laptop computers. Yep. Just buy accumulation. Get one if you wanted. I could. Yep. But we're, but it's not like they're sitting around going, I want to buy another one because I like the way they look. Sure. Yeah. We're and, using every bit of them sure. and the, because this is our world. And the excess is dangerous, right? But it's not as dangerous as getting shot with a guard by a guy with a machine gun on the corner. Right. And and you know, it, it, this notion they they like, we're sort of culturally pushed now to feel guilty. So you, you go down there, and you're like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, they live like we don't need to have all these things because they live with nothing. Look at them. And instead of saying, look, it's incredible that they live down there with what they have and how happy they really are. That's a valuable lesson for mm-hmm. all sorts of reasons. But it doesn't mean that if you open up a store, it's cool that you have to pay a grift 
to the freaking cartels. That's not cool. Or have a yeah. bullet go through your, your yeah. you right. know, glass with, with pane no window. And then no. you can't even be a witness for fear of being executed. Like, that's not good. And so the <laughs> no, reason they're living not with nothing is because no. they have to. Right. No. That's the difference. Right. Like, you, we could choose if we want in the United States, or at least this California girl couldn't in California, but there are places still in the United States where you can choose to go live with nothing. You don't have to, you don't have to participate. Right. You don't have to go uh, engage in conspicuous consumption. You don't have to have five laptops, even if you need five laptops. Right. You can choose, if you like, to live a very simple lifestyle. Nobody's going to care. You right. can choose, if you like, to go develop a business and become a multimillionaire like Elon Musk and do whatever you want with it. Or drop out. Or drop out. Be, become like the Unabomber without the bomb. You I mean, can, go live in a cabin with no running water and no electricity. You can choose to do that. Knock yourself out. And, and you know, we have, a, we have a platform. We have created this sort of, um, it's not below or above or or directly correlated to morality it's a platform for freedom to do what you want make of it with what you want right. but and based on morals to do the best that you had with right. what you have it's like we are because it's a, it's a gift it's a gift and well what we don't is. hold up anymore in our society are are the good old common sense values that help a person be successful like self-control you know Correct. Because like, like, there's no, there's no response. There's no, uh, you don't have any accountability for it when you're not in self control. Right. Like you said, it's your fault. You're a victim. It's not your fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Or it, thriftiness, or you know, there's a number of things that are that are considered almost uh, social crimes now. You know, if a if a person, um, you know, if a person is uh, disciplined uh, in in some way to to be uh, successful. That's almost uh, looked down upon. It's like it's like uh, it, childish attitudes in school. I, I hear this a lot in the inner city, where uh, kids that get A's and B's are are hassled, yeah, by the rest of the kids. Like, who are you to be successful? And it's envy. who are you to be smart? Right. It, they did it, that to Ben Carson, for example. It's a little bit of envy, yeah. and you know, I, I I don't understand it completely. I got to give it more thought. But this notion that if you succeed then, you know, as an American, I go down there and we're successful. I should feel guilty for that. Yeah. And, and what do you think you're better than us? No, I'm just no. working my ass off. That's all. In fact, I think maybe the opposite in a lot of ways. I look at them mm -hmm. as like, man, there's a lot of stuff I can take home and assimilate and appreciate about your culture, about the family right. importance, yeah. about how you have learned to live with nothing. What's the lesson there? It's like you don't need any. It, and just because you don't need it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the access to go right. thrive and succeed. Yeah. And, and you know, I think, Brett, your point's a good one. It's like it was sort of incumbent upon us as individuals in our country when our founders created it to live a certain moral lifestyle, not religious, um, although I think the religious institutions on the corner of every neighborhood probably helped. Probably. Uh, not, uh, not That was probably. social reinforcement. Yes. That wasn't government dictating to you. It wasn't the you. government. No, right? no. Well, and it's the, ba the basic commonality of do unto others. And when the I government, mean, and, and, yes, and right. you live by that, right. it pretty much kind of is self-evident of, yeah, that's the right and thing to do. Be, and even beyond that, love your enemies. Yeah. That's, that's why right. Norm, yeah, true, Norm, true. corny Norm says, yeah, I love everybody. Yeah. I love my enemies. Yeah. Right. And wasn't, I forget And it's the, not easy to do. No, it's not. That, it's not you, easy you, to do. You saying that does not make it easy to no, do. No, exactly. it's not think, easy to do. I think do. people it take takes that work. Yes, it does. It takes effort. Yeah. It and takes it takes discipline. a lot of thought. Yes. None of us are perfect at this no. table. We, we Far kind from of it. kind of preaching that we it feels we, like we are, but we're. Oh my God, it's a struggle every day. No, Come no, no. On. I am preaching imperfection Jeez. as a human quality. I'm, yeah. a, yeah. I'm a huge sinner. Yeah. I'm a huge sinner. Yeah. I, I I do things every day I should I do, not do. I do stupid things and, too. Stupid thoughts. And what's the parable, Brett? There is a there is a guy who uh, goes to Christ and he wants to sit at the right hand throne of the king or whatever it is, and he's going to like something. And it's a it, it's about money, right? He's yeah. wealthy, and Christ mm -hmm. says, "Well, give up all your wealth and then come see me." Yeah. And you know the guy couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's not that you can't find your own personal satisfaction uh, without wealth. It's that. It gets in the way, and I think that's the point. You know, that that's the valid point that they have down there in Mexico or otherwhere. It's like greed is a danger, and we have to learn to control it. Easier for a, an elephant to pass through the eye of a needle or a camel, however that Jesus put it, yeah, than for a rich man to get to heaven. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. because the, it clouds. And, and even in his letter to, um, I don't think it was Timothy, maybe the Galatians. He, he, he says, you know, watch out for these things. 
Don't be dist- these are a distraction. Paul says these are a distraction. Uh, this wealth and this, Paul uh, and Paul would know. And Paul would know. Right? Oh, Paul yeah. would know because he lived it. Yeah, yeah, right for sure. And so want to read a great book about uh, Paul. Uh, pick up Johnny Cash's book uh, called The Man in White. It's largely about. Uh, uh, I'll check it out. I've never. Read oh, that. really? Okay. Fascinating book. Great huh. book. Huh. You can get it off of Amazon for three bucks, yeah. paperback. Huh. But Johnny Cash was a student um, of St. Paul. It was his favorite, and it's you know, I mean, of course they they you know they have uh, there's there's an analogous uh, life story between Johnny Cash and St. Paul. It's it's pretty obvious <laughs> why Johnny Cash would be drawn to that particular saint, and uh, you know, on the road to Damascus and and all of that. Yeah, so, the, it's, well, all right. I think we beat that drum to death. Yeah. We didn't mean to, I didn't mean to turn this into a religious sermon, but I think it's important because it, we have to find morality again. And, sure. and I think I think to some extent to bring it right back home, it's rooted in common sense. So we all know that it's not like when you're when I'm living a lifestyle. I, used, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I knew when I was drinking alcohol, it was too much, and I knew that it, I had to do something about it. I knew it was my responsibility to do something about it, and it just makes common sense. It's so, because you were imbued yeah. with a a moral code. It, it was in you, and the whole time you were having an interior internal battle within yourself, and that's the whole point of being taught morality and being taught a moral code yep. is so that you can resolve those issues as an adult without resorting to blaming others. Exactly. Well, and I think this conversation is good because we have tons of legislation coming up that you need to look at it in that lens. Yeah. Yeah. And often conflicting and, and, and figure it out for yourself. Yes. And often, is this what you need to vote for or not vote for? And often because conflict, of what you believe. Conflicting yeah. values, values on yeah. both sides of these issues right. that all of us, I think, would support and yet they are in conflict. A, a good mm-hmm. example is, um, a fabulous example, in fact, is the Federal Trade Commission decision to try to ban non-competes. So they are promulgating this rule to ban basically all non-competes, blue-collar, white-collar, executive, doesn't matter. They want to get rid of them all. And in fact, three states, California, Oklahoma, and North Dakota, ban them now. And Hold on, so what states are those again? That would be California, Oklahoma, and North Dakota. That's a hmm. fascinating. Tr- right. Tr- that's sort of interesting. What okay. a, what what's, a, what's in common? Really? What a different batch of states, right? Wow. So at odds here is the FTC, right, which wants to throttle a voluntary agreement that a person enters into. Nobody has a gun at at their head or anything. If you're a hairdresser in Michigan and uh, Southern Michigan, and uh, this was an example brought up in testimony and you want to, and, and she had a 15 mile radius where she couldn't, uh, if she left the uh, hair salon, she's making 75 grand a year. So, I mean, we're not talking chump change. So she, she, there was a 15 mile radius where she could not practice if she left and she went 14 miles to a place in uh, northern Toledo, just across the Michigan line. So, yeah, that's a hardship on her, but she signed the contract. She signed the agreement, yeah. So, Nobody had a gun to her head when she signed the agreement. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, she could have started her own salon. She could have gone to a yeah. different, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. So, at any rate, you've got this on one side. You've got um, an interference with voluntary decisions by adult people doing an arm's-length transaction. But yet, on the other side... You know, you've got Jordan saying, you know, things like, well, the FTC and all these regulatory agencies, there is something called the major um, uh, major activities concept that major decisions, major activities are supposed to be things that Congress has to act on regulatory agencies are supposed to be able to adjust, you know, the, the dial in, incrementally on and tune up a regulation, but, but to make a wholesale change like this exceeds their authority in his opinion. And so yeah. you could see the yeah. FTC on one side is trying to liberate people from bad contracts, but on the other side is our freedom to enter into a bad contract yeah. In order to receive well, a benefit, it might be a good contract, right? And and look, yeah. the common law has covered this for this is this is what's important to note is that there are there has evolved a standard through common law and probably codified in various states 
uh, on non-competes. And here's the general rule. They have to be reasonable in scope and they have to be reasonable in duration. So like it wouldn't be enforced. Like I'm guessing the Michigan lady, I, I, I would, I would, I would have a hunch that if she went to a different state to work, then the courts would not enforce that as a violation of non-compete, even if it's past 15 miles. On the other hand, if she works, you can't just go to work for a, like if, if I have somebody working for me and I have a business selling widgets and uh, there's a new widget guy in town and I'm going to go take all my customers to go work for the new widget guy, like who thinks that's good? You know, yeah, it's like that you should be able to say, look, I'm paying you. Part of the deal is you can't compete with me. You can't just work here for a year, take all my customers and go compete. And, you know, what's really what the end result of this is, is fascism. This is a government takeover of private business. As soon as you start limiting private business uh uh, recourse over such things, you they have no recourse and they can't survive. So you could steal my entire book of work. There's nothing I can do about it to stop it. I'm out of business. Yeah. All right. So now what happens? I'm out of business. I go to the government and, you know, it's like, it, it's a, this, the imperfect uh, mass coordination between the people uh, and through the exercise of their capitalistic freedom is still better than some government entity cramming down this kind of nonsense because yeah. you're going to ruin lives. From, yeah, I, I guess ahead, I, yeah, right. I was going to look go at this ahead. from an employee standpoint too. That you know, con, you know, the saying is contracts are those that write the contract are in control. So I mean, walking into it as an employee, maybe, maybe there needs to be a better system of understanding what you're signing. Is well, it is is it is it fair? Because you mentioned a point about you know that, that it shouldn't be going overboard in regards to what you're well, signing. Actually, about, well, it's about whether that gets enforced. So look, I mean, that's an interesting question. Yeah. It's like, what's the individual obligation? Right, if I go right, sign right, a non-compete, right. so I, you may have say me, say may say maybe I come from a millionaire's family and I don't really need the money and I don't really care. I just want to do a job because I'm looking to get experience so I can go back to dad's job or dad's family business and, and go to work. So compete, non-compete, I don't care. I'll sign whatever you want. doesn't make any difference. Or maybe I say, I don't need this money. I'm not going to sign this agreement. So screw you. But then you have somebody who has come from poverty. They can barely pay rent. Mm -hmm. They got two kids at home, single mom. They're going to feel like it's an adhesion contract because they don't have any uh, other choice. Well, you know, I, I don't think the government can fix that dichotomy. No. I, I just it, it, how can employees take a look at these contracts going this is fair or I should walk away because I'll this is too what, much or I can take what I, I have to take what I'm going to take because I need the money Maybe, well yeah. that's the point yeah. the individual knows that the person yeah. knows that yeah. that's right they, they are yeah. willing to accept that because that's they, true. they don't have other options what is yeah. what is yeah. what is really yeah. bothersome yeah. about this Biden move at the FTC is it belies a whole series of policy um, initiatives taken on by Biden, basically to let people out from underneath things that they committed themselves to do. Correct. Yes. Like student loans. Like I was just going to go student loans like, in my head, too. Like exactly. the SVB yeah. depositors yeah. above 250000 yeah. Why in the hell are my bank fees going up at my bank? Why are Why is my life being taxed, in effect, by an increase of fees because the rest of the banks now have to make whole people who dis who ignored the sticker on the front door that mm -hmm. said deposits are only guaranteed up to 250k why are we reimbursing all of these rich people in California and China for their deposits above 250k listen they made those decisions as adults, just like the kids who signed with uh, FAFSA or whatever to get and, their and college there's recourse. Loans. There's recourse. Duh. So if 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 a non-compete is overbroad in scope and duration, then in theory the employee has recourse. They yeah. go and they fight it. The other thing that happens on non-compete. So play this one out. It's like it, it it's a system that destroys itself. Because if this employee can leave and go to the next business, then there's nothing, in the, and that and the first business fails as a result of it. The next business has the same problem. So sooner or later, there's not going to be a next business because why would I employ anybody if I train them for two years and they take all my book of work and they go compete with me with the guy on the other on the corner? It's like I'm not going to engage in that business. So it destroys business. Now you could say, well, that's fine. That's the greedy businessman. But what about all the other employees that they have? Right. Who are now out Correct. of Correct. Yeah. Because I mean, so, the systems that I put into play with what I do with my consultancy, I don't want somebody taking that concept because I built it on my own. You built it on your own. Same as you. On this law firm, you you build it on the back. Yep. You have a unique law firm here that, yeah, it could be modeled, 
but people can take this idea and, and run with it. So as our good friend Jared always says, he tells this phenomenal story. Jared was is it was not trained as a um, as a uh, as a chef like chef school, but he's an f- incredible chef. I mean, really incredible, and he's an incredible um, problem solver, incredible thinker. He's a doer. He's an entrepreneur. He just he, he tries to excel in everything he does. And he was working at a country club, and um, uh, got promoted to be like the head of uh, catering events or something. I don't remember exactly. We, there's a, there's a lawyer talk on it years ago. Mm-hmm. And he tells this story. So I'm not speaking out of class. And somebody came up to him who had had official training as a chef and had all this and all this. And the guy comes up and Jared's like, look, get these chairs out, do this, get this trash in, do whatever. And the guy's like, how come How come you got this job? How come you get to tell me what to do? And Jared's like, oh, well, you want my job. That's easy. Just do it better than I can <laughs> and you'll get promoted. For now, though, shut up and do what I tell you, right? And, you know, Jared's not a mean guy like that, but <laughs> but he, he had a, that's a very insightful thing. And what we're talking about doing is the government entering into that realm and destroying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yes. Well, we, we Biden and his administration, it, per this FTC decision, mm-hmm. are at war with the meritocracy. They, they simply they, they want people promoted, excused from obligations, uh, people pandered to whatever because of some kind of immutable characteristic of them or because the idea that they need to be protected by the government instead of liberating people to make their own decisions, which means risk of failure. Risk of failure. And then look at it. So I I heard another uh, podcaster the other day talking about this, like there's latest IQ studies throughout the United States. Our Our IQs for the first time are dropping. And, you know, this this commentator was attributing it to um, uh, screens or whatever, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a lack of individual, mm-hmm. uh, like we're, like machines, AI, everything is solving our problems for us. We're, you know, we're or not, we or we think so or we right. think so. But, yeah, it, you know, we don't. And I'm, I remember being I remember having this thought back. Um, I don't know, going back like. I've forgotten how to do basic math because I just pull out my calculator and do mm-hmm. it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there was a time you'd be driving down the driving down the road and you would want to know how long it's going to take you to get there. So I would always engage in this exercise. All right, I'm going 65 miles an hour and I've got another mm-hmm. 100 miles to do. And you do the math and the yeah. equation. And I, I played out in my head and it was something. It was like a game I played yeah. myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Now I look down at my speedometer. It says uh, estimated time of arrival is this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I so it would take me a long time to figure out how to do that math. Now I've lost it. Well, like extent. the registers at McDonald's where uh, the, the clerk doesn't enter in, okay, you're getting a Big Mac that's $3.95 or whatever it is, right? Instead, there's a little graphic of a hamburger. And you push the button. And you push a button so because I they can't do math. And I don't mind that. <laughs> well, it's also the employees that are there too. Right. They so, don't speak English. They, well, so they right. have to have so, a picture. I mean, and again, I, the, McDonald's has realized who they're hiring and they're trying to make it as fast as possible, so let's put pictures on let's the register. Pictures. I got no problem with uh, it. If that's it, that's but, it. But you're but right. But the logical point. extension of it is dangerous. Of course. Yes. Right. And the AI, this chat GTP or GPT or whatever it is, it's all it is is Oz behind the curtain. So people get on their laptop and they type in some kind of problem or some kind of image or artwork or, or gosh, now there is a, a, there's a new uh, – symphony a new concert and a new movie that have been done by ai and we're all supposed to be impressed by that it's just programming people it's just somebody put in the the guardrails between which uh ai is supposed to operate and out comes their value system but people are treating it like it's the great oz don't look behind the curtain like it's truth like it's truth, like it's, like truth. it's a truth machine. Yes, right. Yeah. So I mean, so, truth on, a, on, a, on the highest level. So, of that so, term. so when you type in, please write a complimentary poem about President Biden. Chat GPT will come back with a poem about Biden. Oh, he's wonderful. He's this, and then you type in, do a very same thing for Donald Trump, right? Or Rick DeSantis, or whoever, or Ted Cruz. It comes back and says, "I can't engage in partisan." Yes, uh, it won't do it. Right? Yeah, it won't do it. Seriously. So what does yeah, that? Wow. What does yeah, that true. tell you about AI? Yeah. It is a human construct with biases built in. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. It's not well, a truth machine, people. It, it's it's not. And, and we are we are handing over 
our intellect to this to software and to machinery and I, i'm totally against it I, I i think it's okay to have ai but i think people need to be educated about what it really is yeah it is a fake professor behind a curtain operating levers and then when dorothy goes back yeah. there and sees professor oz this is the their jig is up cyber equivalent of stalin killing everybody who knew the truth yeah it's the, this is what this is That's this what is the cyber equivalent of killing everybody that knows the real truth so they never can repeat it so now what we're doing is we have wikipedia we have webster's we have all our dictionaries all our books everything is online and they can just redefine it and there's not right. a damn thing you can do about it it's right. gone it's dead gone yeah. forever next sure. generation it's dead right. unless somebody's going to dust off books it's dead right encyclopedia mm. britannica used to uh, their articles so if you if you so we had that zebra thing down in Pickaway County right we talked about last week so if you wanted to look up an article about zebras you go to the encyclopedia britannica and literally an expert right in in zebras in you know in animals wrote the article you go to wikipedia and as i said in a previous edition uh, of of common sense ohio I could literally go on Wikipedia and, and, and insert a bunch of nonsense into the article, yeah. like I did on brain surgery, yeah. and, and then showed my sons. There you go. It's not like hmm. you don't get to vote, <laughs> like for what, what <laughs> right. what's, what's the best nonsense. thing about zebras, right? right? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's well, it's it's crack pottery. All right, we've uh, wow. we have we have drifted morally off, or uh, off to a moral debate or discussion rather, and I think it was a good one though. I think <laughs> it it was uh, maybe it was high time for that, um, but. Uh, uh, Norm, you got any nuggets? I got one I want to kick around, but I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, there's just a lot of cr- uh, a lot of legislation going on. So, you know, it, we mentioned Jim Jordan. Another thing he's involved in, of course, is this uh, Alvin the Chipmunk Bragg, uh, prosecutor from uh, Manhattan uh, District, uh, the, the DA there, the, the, that has rejected uh, Jordan's subpoena to appear before his committee. Jordan forthwith yesterday sent out a second subpoena, so he's not giving up. He wants to find out in this prosecution, this indictment that may be pending, may not be pending against Trump, is there federal involvement in the New York State um, investigation and decision to go after President Trump? And if so, what federal agencies? Because obviously Jordan smells a rat. Yeah, and there's mm. a rat there somewhere. There's or, a rat. You know, it's it's one of two things. Either the the DOJ has sort of funded the, or pushed this thing or supplied information or right. encouraged it in some way, shape, or form, and that could be tacit encouragement, I suppose. Well, it or, involves the election. Yeah. Trump is a declared candidate yes. for president of the United States, and yep. is the federal government trying to take him out of the campaign? Right. I mean, that is the mm-hmm. that's the issue, and and that is a legitimate federal question. For, for a 100%. committee, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Or it's the other, that the guy, the the uh, prosecutor there, the district attorney, is just a... Uh, the chipmunk. Alvin. The, Alvin the chipmunk is, you know, he's just a grandstander that's trying to make a political statement and, and, and uh, advance whatever he wants to advance as far as his either career or agenda or both, you know? See, in my opinion, by just threatening an, an indictment, he ha- Bragg has already achieved... He, he ought to not do it. He has achieved... What this was is, in, in my opinion, politically, was a an attempt to smear Trump to raise again, one, to raise once again the whole story about Stormy Daniels, right, and to separate Trump from the evangelical vote, right, mm-hmm. to remind everybody, like Mike Pence likes to remind everybody, that Trump's a sinner. Trump, you know, Trump uh, did this and that with women and it, whatever, right. That's the entire object, and Bragg has achieved that. I mean, we're uh, now we're talking about Stormy Daniels all over again. Yeah, but I don't think that hurts Trump. Uh, no, no, no. That's the irony of yeah. it. Yeah, but mission, no more than it hurt mission, Biden or Clinton he, or any of these other guys. He doesn't need a perp walk at this point or anything. Bragg has done his job, whatever it was, to try to smear Trump. He's done it, and but, now we ought to just. I'm done. Well, and he's got an out. He can blame Cohen, and yeah. uh, he's got an out. He he's got say, an out. I got this new guy coming who was a— um, The Costello. Costello came in and said, look, testimony. this guy's is—you can't right. rely on anything he says. And then the letter letter from Cohen, right, to, oh, yeah. to, to the Federal Election Committee that says, hey, it was my own money, and yeah. I was never reimbursed. I did it. Right. I did it. Yeah. Well, then 
What are you making of it? Yeah. So, and it, it, it's a stretch of a prosecution. I mean, it just reeks of political agenda. Absolutely. Because we're talking about misdemeanors where the statute of limitation has run. You know, if it's just if it's just going to be some sort of yeah. document for or uh, mis- mischaracterization of a of of, um, of accounting documents, like all right, well, fine. Now they're saying it has to. They, they have to close that circle to say it was the functional equivalent of an election donate of a campaign donation because right. it was used to advance his election. So therefore, it's a de facto political campaign contribution so it should have been recorded and it wasn't and that's what we're going to it's like so let's let's that makes it a local felony so even under federal law so Uh we like to talk about how there's uh two uh there's two tiers of justice in america let's take the exact same fact pattern and apply it to hillary clinton of course hillary clinton was charged by the fec the federal elections committee with with making a $1 million undocumented contribution to her campaign when she paid a million bucks for the fake Steele dossier. And she claimed that that was legal services. The FEC fined her. She had to pay a massive fine. She was found guilty, her campaign, guilty of a federal election statute. She didn't go to jail. No. Nobody, I mean, it, it just is... Mm-hmm. And it was legal. It was a. It was a legal. Uh, it was a. It was a payoff to that uh, that uh, Perkins Coie law firm uh, to to come up with a fake dossier to be used as uh, substance to to smear her opponent in the election. And it was misspending of of campaign con- contributions. It was actually closer to the crime they're charging Trump oh, with. Much bigger than, crime. Than, uh, she didn't go to jail. So, but but the Trump is premised upon. If if his cover if his uh, mischaracterization of the documents or the accounting entry uh, was designed to conceal a bigger another crime, then under New York law that apparently makes it this felony. And how was it concealed? Everybody knew about right. Stormy Daniels. It was in the well, papers every day. It, the the, uh, the bigger crime would have to be this sort of funneling of out. money to a. Um, uh, to a to a political campaign, which is really funneling money, it's hush money. And and look, if you're going to start prosecuting people for hush money, which isn't exactly what this is, yeah, it was um, extortion essentially. It's like stand in line, man, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, listen, civil settlements happen all the all time, all the time. And you can call these hush money, you can call them not hush money, call it whatever you want. And there's but NDAs it, involved. You can't it, talk yes, about it. The amount every day, out, all, all day the long. time. I've been involved with them. It's of perfectly course. legal. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Now, the problem is it looks like there is like invoices going back and forth of calling it retainer fees. That's a problem um, because it it, it was, uh, you know, if I give my lawyer $100,000 to settle a case for me and I classify it on my books as legal fees, you know, that, that could be- But it be, was not campaign money, even if it, it either was way, it his personal, right, either personal way, attorney. Either way, it's not a campaign contribution. Right. They're calling it a contribution because it benefited the campaign. And, and that's where it's a stretch. Mm-hmm. And that was the statute of limitations that's already passed. The idea that a, 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 that a notation, a business notation of a payment being mischaracterized as a violation of New York state law, that has a two-year statute. And it's a misdemeanor. And it's over. It's a misdemeanor. It's, it's already I mean, happened. It's like in Ohio, misdemeanor, maybe six months in jail, $1,000 fine. At best. Yeah. And this was a 2016 yeah, event. It's passed. It's so 2020. The only way they get this is to sort of mm-hmm. revitalize it and wash it through this crazy torture theory that it was a right. misappropriate. It was really designed to cover up an intentional campaign contribution. I mean, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Yeah. Right? But mm-hmm. all right. Well, look, my I got a nugget because um, Go ahead, a pet man. peeve of mine, not even a pet peeve, a, a, a real concern of mine in Ohio for years has been uh, something called whole language reading. And... You know, whole language reading is, is anybody who's raised a kid in the last decade understands this. You go to school and then they say, don't sound it out. Don't sound it out. You have to memorize these words and eventually what's going to happen is your kid's going to read fluently and awesome. And it'll, it'll be, uh, trust us. And uh, don't, I remember hearing the instruction from the Upper Arlington School District, don't, um, you shouldn't sound it out. They should know these words. They should memorize them. And the problem is lots of kids who are able to memorize words are actually really, really smart. You know, they, um, they have high IQs and they can memorize words and they're great at it. And then the problem comes when they get to about third or fourth grade, you can't read because they've memorized a bunch of words, but they don't, they haven't cracked the code. They don't get it. And the read, the way you can teach around that was the way we all learned to read, which is sound it out, right? Phonetic based reading. So, and then you memorize it because you've sounded out and you've seen it 15,000 times. You have the formula, right? So yeah. you can figure out 
what a sentence says because you have the formula. Well, so we, Ohio and lots of other places around the country, 20, 30, 25 years ago, it adopted whole language reading. It was, I think it might even come out of Ohio State. We bought the program. We went wholesale in in our public education. And as a result of that, we have like a generation and a half of kids who can't read. Um, and it, it directly impacts those who have um, uh, dyslexia. Because okay. if you're dyslexic, you you usually that's associated with a really good high IQ and memory and the ability to to get by, but eventually you can't read and it's all gobbledygook. If you sound it out and learn something, there's another theory called Orton Gillingham, um, which teaches you to sound it out phonetically. But anyway, Dewine has come now and is investigating this finally after all these years, and he has adopted uh, a local school. I forget which one it was that. Is uh, is incorporated a phonetic based reading program and says this should be our gold standard. Well, a little uh, too late is better than never, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so at least Ohio is back on board. The rest of the country pretty much uh, jumped jumped off this whole language approach years ago. So that's my take on uh, that's I, I I've criticized Dewine. Did I say Biden? I've criticized Dewine many times, but on this one, at least now uh, you've done something about an obvious problem that's been around for all of us who have had to grapple with a kid who had trouble with whole language reading, um, you know, now we can uh, we can take a little solace that DeWine is finally awakened to it. I'm guessing that the money that was involved in this, the contract has probably run out. I was just going to say, where, <laughs> how did they get his ear? What ran out? Where are the money's coming from exactly? We probably yeah. had a contract because what people do is they develop these programs and yes. they sell them to the public schools and the schools buy them. And I'm guessing, I am totally speculating, so don't take this as gospel. I am I am guessing that the contract has run out and no, we no longer are beholden to whole language reading. So we can finally jump off the charade that it works and uh, be done with it. I've argued tooth and nail with people like to the point where friendships were at stake <laughs> about this uh, uh, teachers who I've, who I've known. And it's like, uh, you know, they were just taught wrong. It just, it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah. It's bad. So, yep. Anyway, yeah. wow. So with that, that's another episode of Common Sense. I think we we covered a lot of common sense. We didn't give a lot of Ohio news, but I think that was a worthy discussion to have. I think that was um, uh, it, it was high time. It was good. To, it was it was the, uh, the we needed to get back to a conversation philosophically about why we do what we do, and and maybe a structure to analyze these news stories that we're trying to bring you every every week. So and sometimes you can't until you leave the country and come back. It's it, it really is eye opening, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's yeah. eye opening. So maybe yep. the message to be had from Mexico is like appreciate what you have. Don't feel guilty about it. Let's do our best to preserve it. And I'm not talking about the conspicuous, um, uh, gross living, gluttonously. I'm talking about the freedom that we have that enables us to get to that point if we so choose. It also enables us to live a very modest lifestyle, one free of stress if we if we choose that. And the government's not going to fix it either way. Um, they can only take it away. So with that, that is Common Sense Ohio. You can, again, catch that at commonsenseohioshow.com. Coming at you right from the middle, at least until now.